We go to work, and when we're off, we whine about our day. We sip our cares away, and you can do the same, cause you're in a safe place when you're whining with nurses. Man, um, so we were also going to talk about today, a uh, day in the life. Nursing. <laughs> nursing? What are you talking about? We were going to talk about nursing. <laughs> uh, whining with nurses. What? Uh, so sh- how do you want to do it, Sarah? Do you want to start with nursing or start with... Sure. I think, yeah. Our wine we'll, expert here. We could we'll sandwich the nursing we'll and the wine expert. the wine. We could sandwich us. I like that. <laughs> with the wine. <laughs> do you want to go first or do you want me to? I want you to go first. Okay, good. Because I had a really terrible day yesterday and I remember Aww. every second of it and I'll tell you about the day in Aww. the life of Is that what yesterday. inspired your topic of next podcast? No, actually oh. you said we were going to do it last time. Oh, <laughs> so. no. I, oh, no, not day in the life. The... Yeah, dealing with difficult patients. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right. We're going to talk about that in the future. What's dealing it with like, difficult patients. What's it like, Sarah, for you as a hospital cardiac nurse, mm-hmm. a day in life? Start, okay. For, start from Getting brushing there. your teeth in the morning. Oh, I usually don't Sarah brush really, my teeth until I get <gasps> to work because I eat breakfast on the way there. Oh, yes. Sarah mm-hmm. has the best teeth hygiene yeah. that uh, out of anyone you probably know. So I got to brush my teeth multiple times and a day. And floss. That's right. Multiple times a day. So I'll have my coffee and everything ready in the morning She's and eat breakfast on the way. She's kissable all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right now it's questionable. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> as soon as we leave here, I'm... Flossing. Um, I have floss too. I mean, you could floss before you I leave. It might if- take some to go. <laughs> um, driving and flossing could be quite I have dangerous. While driving before. No, I have those little stick things. Oh, you know, it's easy one handed. Um, so I get to work and I brush my teeth and I get my paper ready. I do the same thing. I, I fold a piece of paper in fours because I can never have more than four patients to start with. And so I set up my little charting paper. And then I go and find out what my assignment is and who I'm getting report from. And then I go find those nurses and get report. And so they want you to do bedside reporting, which is both nurses stand in the room with the patient and you talk about them. But nobody ever does that because if you do that, the patients will ask you to take them to the bathroom. (laughs) And then report will take an hour, an hour and a half. So anyway, we usually do report at the nurse's station and then we go in, we look at the patient together, make sure nobody's dead or having a stroke, you know, make sure they look like what the last nurse said they look like. Mm-hmm. And then, you so know. So you peek your head in together. You Sometimes you peek your head in. Sometimes there's stuff you actually want to look at. If someone has drains or an incision that, you know, you want to keep an eye on, they'll say, oh, here, see, I showed, I told you about blah, blah, blah. Take right. a look at it. Mm-hmm. Let's both look at it, make sure it hasn't changed since the last time the night nurse saw it. Because mm-hmm. um, if it has changed, then that might be something I need to tell the doctors when they come in. So mm-hmm. we look at them, any pertinent things. And then the night nurses get to go home. <sighs> go sleep. Go <laughs> have a good sleep. Um, and then... And I tell the patients, oh, hey, I'm just going to go get report on the rest of my patients. Or once I've gotten report on everyone, I'm just going to go organize my day and then I'll be back to check on you. And so then I go look up all the lab results and I look at orders and make sure that everything that's important has been done. And if there's not, if there's something that hasn't been done, um, 
Like what, for example? Okay, so like... Oh, wait, um, first, can you tell us, please, how many patients you have in a day? Four. Okay. Uh, usually four, but sometimes if patients are a little more critical, then we have a three-to-one ratio. Um, so if someone just came back from a specific procedure or if they have a lot of different... Um, IV fluids that have to be titrated, so like changed or adjusted based on what the patient's blood pressure is, for example. Mm -hmm. That requires more work and more um, attention. So um, then you only have three patients. Okay, so I look at the lab results and let's say that someone had a really low hemoglobin. That's your red blood count kind of. It's a, it's a protein that's in your red blood cells. Wait, isn't hear, that what hemoglobin so, is? So you'll hear, or yeah, it, it help, you know, it's a function that carries oxygen and blood around yeah. your cells. And um, you hear a lot of people talk about it when they refer to anemia. So if you're anemic, you might have a low H&H or a low hemoglobin hematocrit. And we want to fix that with a lot of people. We give iron supplements or... Or if it's yeah. really low blood, a blood, blood transfusion. transfusion. Mm. So I'll check the morning labs and make sure that there's nothing like that or if someone has a really low or really high potassium because that affects heart function. So I just look for pertinent lab results and then make sure there's nothing I need to do right away, like give replacement potassium or give a blood transfusion or you know, call the doctor and let them know about a critical result. Okay, so once I've gotten all of my... Stuff. Oh, and I look at what times I have to give meds for everyone because some people only have meds twice a day, nine in the morning, nine at night. Some people have meds a hundred times a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nine, 11, 12, mm -hmm. one, four, five, six, and nine at night and in the middle of the night and whatever. It's, it's ridiculous. And so, every nurse has their own way of keeping track. So how do you I write down track? the times. So I have mm -hmm. a little grid that I make and I write which doctors are following them across the top and all their med times across the side. And inside of that grid, I write all the stuff that's happened. Like mm. they had a chest x-ray yesterday. They have this that's due today. We need to get a stool sample. We need to get a urine sample. We need to whatever. Mm -hmm. So that takes probably about 15 minutes to get organized. And then I go around and if somebody has seven o'clock meds due, I'll take them their meds and do an assessment. Um, so head to toe assessment usually takes about, I don't know, five minutes if the patient's pretty mobile, if they can move in bed and turn so I can hear their lungs. It might mm -hmm. take a little bit longer if they need something like to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. This is a common thing. <laughs> <laughs> Going to the bathroom takes forever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is why it's important to have nursing aids um, because valuable nursing time is taken up by getting your patient to the bathroom sometimes when you really need to be paying attention to more critical mm -hmm. things. So um, It's critical at the time. It is. <laughs> For I mean, the patient. Peeing and pooping is very important. But what Coke if somebody else is, is having a critical arrhythmia over there right. and I need to go see to that? So um, do an assessment and then I'll write down any abnormal findings on my little paper that I keep myself organized with for the day. Because mm -hmm. if I don't write it down, I have found that later in the day, I'll mix up patients. Um, did they have the crackles in their lungs or did they just have diminished lung sounds? Mm -hmm. And then I have to go and assess them again. And mm -hmm. then that just takes a lot yeah. of time. And also with assessments, at least from what I remember when I was in hospital, um, assessments can vary. So if you, you go through the assessment, so you start from one body system to the next, meaning you, you look at their brain function, then you look at your lungs and their heart and their stomach and their bowel sounds and you keep going down. Muscle, whatever, nerves and eye stuff anyway. And But if you find something wrong, you have to stop and assess further. So you can do a headed to assessment, but like you were saying, if you find something abnormal, 
then you stop and it might take a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Or if you're a nursing student or just beginning, your assessments take forever. True. I remember in the beginning, oh my God, each assessment, I'm like, how do they do it in like two minutes? I don't know. Yeah, I can't mm-hmm. even relate. My In my job, head-to-toe <laughs> assessments, that's, that's sexual harassment. <laughs> Really is. You're more like profiling. What are yeah. you going to be drinking? Like, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, Probably but- much more fun and less dirty assessments <laughs> on your end. <laughs> That's a really good point. So if you get to someone's pulses, for example, so I always check the pulses in the wrists and then I check the pulses in on the top of their feet, the mm-hmm. pedal pulses. Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody, touch the tops of your feet and see if you can feel your heartbeat there. That's a thing. So if you can't feel the pulse You're in dead. the feet, I'm just <laughs> everyone's going to be like, I'm dead. Oh my God, my feet are involved. <laughs> it's not easy to find unless you have you're to be used trained. to it. Yeah. yeah. But if I can't feel the pulse in their feet, then you have to go get a Doppler. Mm -hmm. And a Doppler is like a very mini ultrasound machine and you can hear... People that are... Have a lot of people know about Dopplers when you're pregnant and you're looking for a Mm -hmm. heartbeat if you can buy a home Doppler. So that's the same thing. You put the jelly on your belly and then you stick the Doppler (laughs) on there. Yeah. And... Put your right foot in. (laughs) Your jelly on your belly or on your pedal pulse. It also tells you like when it's about to rain or... (laughs) What? Doppler radar? No. Oh yes. Same oh, thing. Oh right, different. For the Doppler, rest yeah. of us, yeah. sound. <laughs> yeah, it's a sound wave, right? That's how. Anyway, we need Carter here <laughs> yeah, to engineer the crap out of that. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. So, Takeshi's trying to tell me something. He's got a Doppler. Oh, he knows what Dopplering is. Explain. All right, it's, it's the distance. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're trying to tell us, yes. and then we give you a microphone, and you're like. No, no, no. Gosh, okay. do so, I have to? Not what I wanted. <laughs> a Doppler is um, the distance of where you actually, you know, um, the distance is actually changing in pitch. So it's what's one for like. God, you send a sound wave out. You it returns sound wave to out, you, and, then, and depending and on how far the away the, the thing yeah, the rate, is, yeah, the rate, the rate, of, the further away it is, it changes in pitch slightly. Okay. Oh. Now that you started talking about it, I knew more than you. <laughs> no, you just said it differently, but that makes totally sense. Thank kidding. you, Takashi. That makes sense. I actually, yeah. We okay. appreciate your contribution. Yes. No, yeah. I totally nailed it. Um, so. <laughs> so if you can't find a I just pulse, have to you give have you to, You have to Doppler find it. Some people that are in the hospital obviously can be, you know, they're in there for a reason. Oh my gosh, your socks are adorable. Thank what you. What are they? Regina gave them to me. Oh, they're the ones she gave you last podcast. Uh-huh. Okay. Thank you. That's really cute. Okay. Um, so I spend I'm, all nine lives with you. They're <laughs> cats. Anyway, so you Doppler <laughs> pulse if, if needed. If, if you need That's it. That's how an mm-hmm. assessment might last longer. Mm-hmm. So you do your assessments. You're sometimes passing meds at the same time because you're trying to be efficient. Mm-hmm. And then you're also in the morning keeping an eye out for the doctors making rounds because you want to be in there when they talk about the plan because sometimes they say something that they don't remember to order later and then you can just order it for them or you can circle back with them and say, hey, you mentioned blah, blah, blah. Mm. Can I order order that, you know? Right. So um, it's good to catch the doctors. But you know what's awesome about the hospital where I work is the charge nurse always rounds with the cardiothoracic team. Um, Totally. Yeah. He's like, what (laughs) does that mean? (laughs) That's a team of doctors that, you know, there's a surgeon, there's two surgeons, but usually only one is on at a time. And then there's another doctor who used to be a surgeon and he still assists in surgeries. And then there's just a cardiologist who focuses on cardiology, doesn't do surgery. And there's a couple of physician's assistants and 
it's like an army of people coming into the patient's room. Mm-hmm. So they talk about all their ideas and the charge nurse writes down everything. So if you happen to miss them because you're doing something with your other patients, then um, the charge nurse will fill you in on what they decided mm-hmm. for the day. Okay, so then if for some reason you happen to get a little bit of time, you start charting your assessments, but typically you don't. You have to go ahead and, you know, repeat the process. There's, you know, assessments every four hours on the type of unit that I work on. So you reassess your patients, you pass out any other meds. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people are diabetic, so you've checked their blood sugar in the morning and then you got to check it again before um, lunchtime. So you don't have to do that? The, or, they're sorry, not able MAs to in California. Unless, not MAs, nursing assistants. No, no, I don't think they're allowed to in California. I think really? you have to get a special certification if you want to do that. Huh. Um, you know, when I was working in Virginia, our um, they were called techs there and they could do a lot of things. They could check blood sugar, they could remove IV lines, they could remove Foley catheters. Sometimes they could start IVs, huh. they could draw blood. So it depends on what state you're in right. and what you're... Certified to do. In St. Louis or Missouri, where I was for- Missouri. Missouri. (laughs) So I was there. I was in Spain and then Missouri for nursing school. And uh, in Missouri, the um, certified nursing assistants, CNAs, um, they can do, they do all the blood sugar checks, all the, you know, baths and the toileting and ADLs and um, all of that stuff. And that's activities of daily living. Yes, but they could not do anything invasive. They couldn't do, you know, catheters or IVs or anything like that. So it's funny how state to state is totally different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's pretty much um, how the CNAs are in the hospital I work in now. They do all of the activities of daily living. Mm -hmm. So toileting, they can help you transfer patients if they have to go down to Mm -hmm. x-ray. They help you move patients if you transfer them to a different unit. Right. Okay, so... Well, I think the main typical. Sorry, I want to digress a little bit because people always think that us nurses do things that CNAs do, or CNAs can do things that nurses do, especially in an office. And on that note, my brother always thinks that nursing assistants do all of the quote dirty work. Whenever I tell him something about, I had to, you know, something. I was elbows high in poop today. I'll tell him sometimes, Uh and he'll say, "Aren't there orderlies who do deal with that (laughs) stuff?" And I'm like, "Come on! First of all, we don't call anybody orderlies anymore." And second of all, it's a team yeah, approach. Yeah, everybody does it. So exactly. And yes, they could be trained to do all of those other things that they could in Virginia. But um, I think the big difference is the main tasks of a nurse are to assess. And under our license, we are trained to assess the situation and the severity and what can be done, what should be done to make critical judgments. And... Um, LVNs, medical assistants, nurse, certified nursing assistants, or nurse, whatever you want to call them, they have a lot of different titles. Um, they cannot do that. So the big difference is they they are not trained to do. I thought LVNs could mm-mm. do assessments. And no, because tra- no? we work with the LVN in our office, so we have a grid of what she can do, and oh. she can do tasks and things you can be trained to do, but not things you need like tons of studying Critical and knowledge thinking. to critically think about and do assessments for. So you need to have an RN license for that. Uh, I'm always confused about the differences mm-hmm. between what RNs and LVNs can right. do because... So LVNs are like ta- more task oriented mm-hmm. and then the, you have to have, you know, to be a registered nurse or bachelor's or something to have the assessment aspect to be able to make those judgments. Is this patient calling in with this? Um, is this okay? Do I have to even tell the doctor? Do we have to do, you know, should we make an, a, you know, oh, you can let her in now. She's ready. Um, thank you. 
you know, so anyway, that's a difference. Anyway, cause, you know, people say all the time, well, well, you do this, so you do that. Or the nurse told me this. So, so no, 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 nurses wouldn't do, don't, you know, it's just mm-hmm. confusing a lot because why would you know? Why would you know? We just do things and people magically get better and we help in the hospital and people don't need to know what, who does who what. Who does but, what, yeah. Right, but it's frustrating when people don't appreciate what you do and realize what you even do and that's why we have this podcast about it. <laughs> um, to kind of go off of that point, while CNAs and LVNs, you know, aren't allowed legally to do some of the things that nurses do, we still rely on them a lot. Um, you know, the CNAs often are the first ones to notice things like this patient hasn't peed all day right. because they're responsible for, you know, measuring how much someone has peed or pooped because mm-hmm. they're the ones doing most of the toileting. Mm-hmm. And so I might not know that unless the CNA tells right. me. So Hugely important. We're not saying important. it's not important. Yeah. It just requires a different licensure. And mm-hmm. that's why, because they don't have the training in the background, you haven't learned all the disease and all the symptoms and all the medications and all the side effects and all these things to be able to assess what might be going on. And also we don't learn all of them. I'm just saying for an example. Well, I know everything. All the background knowledge. Oh, I know Sarah. <laughs> no, okay. You should so, be God. I don't know. <laughs> shouldn't I be? No. <laughs> um, back to a day in the life. So basically mm-hmm. a typical day is, is all the stuff I just said and then usually transferring or discharging someone and then getting a new admission. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting a report from someone and getting a patient settled and then you have to go through this stupid list of questions at every hospital you have to do it and nobody ever reads the stuff like um, what do you what kind of diet do you have at home and do you feel safe at home mm-hmm. and do you smoke is there a smoker in the household and what how many blah, blah, blah. times do you drink and yeah. does it affect your daily life and, and do you people ask the criticize questions you? you have to I think it's a Medicare driven thing but Nobody ever reads this stuff. Mm. So why do we have to spend some... Anyway, sorry, this yeah. is my complaint. Why do we spend so much time doing it? It takes a long time. Especially- also, documenting what belongings people bring to the hospital. Do me a favor, everyone. Don't bring anything to the hospital because you'll probably not get it back um, if you get transferred to another unit. The nurses have so much stuff to keep up with. Your stuff is not important. Mm-hmm. It's not as important as your life. So as much as we try to keep up with your stuff... It might get lost. So don't bring anything important with you to the mm-hmm. hospital. Money, jewelry, meds, just leave them all at home unless somebody asks you specifically to bring in a medication. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that's my tangent. True. Okay. But you know they have to have it because someone sued the hospital once because they lost their yeah. whatever. People lose their dentures all the time. That's stuff you have to have. Sorry yeah. <laughs> if you lose your dentures. But sometimes people sit them on their tray and then someone comes and picks it up, you know, yeah. and takes it to their the cafeteria and it goes and in the trash. Gone. Yeah. Yeah. And hearing Dang aids that happen. People having a chew. Keep your hearing aids in your ears. I like smoothies. If you know it's good I like you. smoothies a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't they give like good smoothies? Probably only people in the hospital get smoothies are ones that have like feeding tubes. But don't bring your wallet and I don't or know your if that's tablet. A it's a smoothie luge. <laughs> yeah, don't bring anything important to you. Um, so that's a typical day. Now, yesterday, let me tell you about my day. So I got there. I started all the stuff all my assessments. I had assessed everyone and passed all my seven o'clock meds and I was on a little bit of a roll. And Mm. I was like, yeah, me. Because I had one patient who was really difficult and grumpy. I'd had him the day before and he was on isolation. So you had to put gown and gloves on before you went into his room and he had a million drips, IV drips. So I was constantly in there, but I was still ahead of the game. And um, then the charge nurse told me, oh, hey, you have to, um, we're transferring this patient 
to a med surge unit. So I was going to give up a patient and then I was going to get a TAVR patient. That's um, transcatheter aortic valve replacement, as we have recently learned. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they're a little more critical. So that was going to give me a three to one ratio. So I also needed to give up another patient. And I said, well, hey, this other patient that I have is going to be discharged today. Can't I just wait until she's discharged? No, because they need to send the tower patient up now. So I had to give away a patient. I gave report to another nurse who was mm-hmm. on our unit, somebody who had already done an assessment on and hadn't charted anything on yet. So I give report that takes about five to 10 minutes. And then... I have to get this other lady ready for discharge and I never get the TAVR patient. They just keep waiting and waiting and I discharge this woman and I still haven't gotten the TAVR patient. And then they're telling me, oh, the TAVR patient isn't coming. They're going to the ICU instead. So you can take this other patient back or you can get an admit from the emergency room. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so frustrated because I'm in the grumpy man's isolation room dealing with his drips and I can't get out of there. (laughs) And people are talking to me from outside the room and I can't even see who's talking and I don't know everyone's voices yet. Uh. And so I'm just like... Yeah, whatever. I'll do whatever you want me to. Just I need to just do the day right now. I got kind of grumpy, you know. Yeah. Then I came out of the room ten or twenty minutes later. It took me a long time to deal with this man, and um, isolation doesn't help. Yeah, and also his IV pole was all the tubes were tangled around it, and his, Ugh. you know, laundry bin was full. It was a mess in there. So then I go out and I talked to our unit secretary and I said, do you, do you know what I'm doing? Cause I, somebody was talking to me in the room and I don't even know what I agreed to. Mm-hmm. And so she told me you're getting your old patient back. So I'd, you know, spent some time giving report on him for no reason. And, um, but I've, that's fine. I knew him. I was happy to have him back. Mm-hmm. My other patient had transferred off the floor and I hadn't even documented a single thing on her. And I, when I went to go do it, the nurse that she went to on the med surge unit had already documented everything within five minutes of her being there. And I was just like, damn, that must be nice having the time to do that. Sorry, I'm venting now. Yeah. Okay. So then... I was really behind on my charting because all of this chaos had been happening and I'm sitting down and I'm trying to chart and I get a phone call about a patient and then another phone call about a patient and then this other patient's family members keep coming out and apologize for their dad being grumpy mm. and it's fine. It Actually, whatever he had done, I didn't even have an awareness of because people are so grumpy at me all the time that whatever he did was actually not bad. Yeah. So, But they won't stop apologizing and I was about to snap at them like, hey... It's fine. Let me try. Like you're making it worse. Yeah. Just leave me alone. You're the problem now. So anyway, they were really nice, but I was and I was trying really hard not to snap. So they're doing that. And then the charge nurse comes and she's really nice and I love her. And she's apologizing for how crappy my morning was. And I was like, it's fine. I just need to catch up. And she's like, yeah, and just not be interrupted. And I'm like, yeah. And then somebody else calls and then Mm -hmm. an occupational therapist or someone comes up and says, hey, can I um, go see your, can I ask you a question? And I go, really? I snapped at her for no reason anyway. And so she just wanted to know if she could go see my patient. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you have a degree to, I didn't say this to her, but I was thinking, and I'm like, go look at the patient and see if you think you can see him, right? This is my bad attitude I had yesterday. Well, there's a lot going on. All I said to her was, really? Yes, you can go see the patient. But 
You're and probably I'm, like, nurses are such bitches because like- <laughs> She probably thinks that, yeah. But I mean, we're stressed out constantly and everyone needs to see the same person over and over and you're trying to do a thousand things and you're exhausted and you've been on your feet all day and you're trying to remember when to do this. Can I see this? Can I do that? Can I take them for therapy? Well, they need an x-ray. I need to, you know. Yeah, and the um, so I, I was just irritated because I'm like- no other place that I've worked have OT and PT, occupational therapy and physical therapy, come and ask your permission mm-hmm. every single time to see the patient. Usually they just go in, eyeball them, mm-hmm. make sure their vitals are okay, and then they see them. But at this facility, people always ask, and I think it's polite, but I also think it's a little bit of a time waster because you mm-hmm. also have your own assessment skills. So you could go in and make sure you could right. see. You yeah, know? yeah. Maybe so. maybe they don't know like is a med due soon and if I disrupt or oh they do it in the room right I guess no they would take oh, them out of the room them. sometimes okay, so but, you know it's usually not too disruptive yeah it, it was just whatever I just yeah. snapped at her it was my fault um, the other thing that annoyed me was there were a lot of nursing students there yesterday and they were there to help with hygiene which is awesome they were going to give all of our patients bed baths mm-hmm. or whatever type of baths mm-hmm. but they did it right during the morning med pass mm-hmm. and I was just like come on man this is the busiest time of the day and you're here you're like trying to bathe people please stop scrubbing his scrotum I need to give him some medication yeah I need to choke him down a potassium pill exactly choke is exactly right they're huge potassium pills are really large yeah I don't think you should say scrub and choke in the same sentence. I don't know. Well, just, good point. It's going to be my input good on the conversation. Good point. Or maybe we should. Maybe <laughs> hospitals are more fun than you think. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so yesterday after all this happened, I just felt defeated and I couldn't really recover for the rest Aww. of the day. I was just like taking a long time to chart. My brain wasn't as sharp as it had been in the morning and I just felt exhausted and I was grumpy and I got a new admit and she was delightful. She was so nice. Um, And and that's just just, one day. That's one day. That is one day in a nurse's life. And then the night shift nurses came on and I gave report and I was so happy to be out of there. But one night shift nurse, he and I had been giving the same patient back and forth to each other for a couple of days in a row. Mm-hmm. And we don't have pharmacists overnight. Um, so you have to request anything you need overnight before they leave. Otherwise, you have to hope that the house supervisor has it in stock or they have to call somebody in from home, a pharmacist in from home. Mm-hmm. So he was complaining that the previous night, the pharmacist hadn't given him a bag of Lasix, which is a diuretic. Um, Helps, makes you pee more to get like lower blood pressure if you have any swelling or something. Yeah, you get rid of the fluid that you're retaining. Mm -hmm. And um, so that day I'd taken extra measures to request it for him ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And I also did something else to request something ahead of time, but he still had something to complain about. And I was just irritated with him. Like, come on, man, you don't know what kind of day I had. And I work night shifts there all the time and they're so much easier. Mm -hmm. Not to say that night shift's easy. It's not. People circle the drain a lot on night shift and things can go bad really quickly. No, but it's notoriously a little less busy and people are, you know, less going on. Yeah, and I was just annoyed that he was just Uh asking me for another thing and complaining. Okay, thanks for listening to me vent, everyone here and out there. No, it's not. That was my day. That's the reality (laughs) of what a 12-hour shift or more in a being a nurse is like. There's so much you have to deal with, and that is not even scratching the surface of everything I'm sure that you did. 
That's true. <laughs> Speaking of scratching surfaces, <laughs> let me tell you about and what I did. there's another story. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> no, but and then I yelled at Ryan about, can you please just figure out what to make for dinner yourself? Yeah. No, I didn't really yell at him fault, yesterday. Sarah. But yeah. his fault. Generally, I do sometimes because yeah. I'm so yeah. exhausted. Don't worry, Ryan, I got your back. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, baby. Thank you for making me delicious dinners. It's hard though. Like you have a really, really, really long day. And unless someone else does the same thing you do, it's really hard to come home and not bring that home with you because the person who worked a normal day doesn't understand at all what you just came from. Like the whole world you just dealt with for what felt like a weird twilight zone. Mm-hmm. Well, what I, and their day was probably really terrible for yeah, them too yeah. sometimes, you know? Yeah. And just, it's just totally different, different worlds. Well, something that I took away uh, from from your, your, your sharing here was, you know, I mean, we all kind of take for granted. When I say we all, I mean like most of us that don't work in healthcare, you know, when you go to a hospital or you go to a nursing facility, uh, you just kind of expect, like it's going to the grocery store to buy Fruit Loops. Like they're always going to be there, but you know, you guys are, f- nurses are a finite resource. There's only so much time in the day. Mm-hmm. There's only so, there's only so much one person can do. And I think that most people take it for granted mm-hmm. that you guys are just as stressed at work as the rest of us. Mm-hmm. You are just as pushed for the deadlines as the rest of us. Um, but you've, you're kind of under more scrutiny because it is healthcare. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I have a busy day, and somebody's chicken doesn't get ordered, you know, they're not going to die. Right. <laughs> God damn it, where's my chicken? <laughs> they might be upset, but they're not going to die. And I mean, I think the, I think most most people take for granted um, that there are real people uh, in these positions that um, have lives outside of the hospital and do get tired and hungry and um, do need breaks. And uh, I mean, have to pee. What you described in the last, <laughs> you know, few minutes was just, uh, you know, it was overwhelming to listen to, let alone live through. Sorry. No, no, no. It's, 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 it's eye opening. Second thing I took away toileting. Toileting is a word I had not heard before today. Is it a verb? <laughs> is this a sport? It is a verb. Is this what, you, you know, the, the art of toileting? Getting Are we going to toilet somebody? To toilet. To toilet. <laughs> yes. Because like it's not this. to the toilet. I think it's a very that proper way to say. That would be much easier. Say, it's I, I think it's a much more proper way to say go to the bathroom. So I'm going to yeah. toilet Yeah. in <laughs> the future not, from here on out. But that sounds and, like you're going to go to the toilet. And we, most of the time, people are in bed and you're helping them to just you like have their body pee or poop either with a tube stuck a, in them or I think it leaves a little bit of mystery. A, I'm just know, going like, to toilet. Okay, you don't know okay. if it's one or two. We're you helping don't know. your body pee or poop. That's the best. But it's We're true. Their what if they haven't pooped and they need an enema or they need a catheter or they can't move so they need a bedpan and you try not to or to get to a bedside so or to get to a bedside com- com- or just use term. a urinal. Toileting is a comprehensive term. It means many things. Many things. You think you can use a urinal while laying flat in bed but then it spills in the bed and then you have to change and then you need a so, bed, then you need a bath. Hey, better to have tried and, and failed. <laughs> well, I don't know. Sometimes they could keep their pee in them and, you know, that might be better. <laughs> Not for them, but. <laughs> yeah. What so a day. It's what a, a day. That's just a day. one day, too. I don't know. It's. I feel like it's, 
It's so comforting. Thank you for appreciating that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> That's really nice. And my days are not at all even close to Sarah's days. Just I don't have to toilet any. Well, no, that's not true. I still sometimes have patients that come in and like they're in with their husband and they're like 80 years old and a walker and they can't go to the bathroom on their own, but they don't want their husband to go in with them. So then we so, do help them. And so we still do they, that. What do they do in the rest of their life? I they, mean, they have like an, a, an, oh, it's, uh, a helper oh, or, or they do probably have them help, but maybe, maybe the husband needs a break. It's like a little <laughs> respite for right. him or, or the they wife, didn't bring them know? with them or they only have their granddaughter with them and they don't want, you know, so their situations are endless. Anyway, it's a totally different A. I don't know if we should save that for another podcast. I'll explain what a different type of nurse does. It'd be good <laughs> back to back, but you know. Are we getting? I, I mean, it's an hour long in the tube. We can. Now. We can split it up, or we can just keep going, or whatever you want to do. We can cut this out, also, so we're not talking about Let's this. Let's cut it out. Our decision. What do okay. you want to do? We still could do a quick. Um, I mean, we can break this into petite Sarah. We could break part of this. I don't know. So maybe we should say, join us in petite Sarah to hear like a day in the life of blah blah blah. Sure. We, okay. we still have a lot of wine left. Yeah. Which you guys aren't drinking as much of. Can't well, drink. I will say that I have been doing a dry January up until this point. And, oh. uh, Cheers to breaking the fast. <laughs> oh. I mean, 29 days is pretty good. That is, um, that is I good. mean, in February, that would be a month. It would have been a month that in February. Been a month it would have totally day. been a, f- a month in February. I tried it last year. I made it 20 days. That's, you know, it's hard. What I will say. Mm-hmm. You and I did it together. Mm-hmm. About dry January. First of all, I got suckered into it. Uh, on Tuesdays at the golf course that I work at, um, Tuesdays is employee day, so the club's closed on Tuesdays, so it's a day when uh, I can go and enjoy the course. Other coworkers of mine can go and enjoy the course. And um, so on New Year's Day this year, 2019, happened to fall on a Tuesday. And uh, some of us from work decided we would go golfing. And if you recall, New Year's Day here in Santa Rosa was... 65 degrees and and sunny and gorgeous on January 1st. Mm-hmm. It was um pretty spectacular. Yeah, but I'll believe you. It was pretty <laughs> spectacular here in California. Spoiler alert: like we is. have great weather here. Yes. Um, it was great, and uh, my boss actually said he's you know I'm doing a dry January with his hydro flask full of racer five beer he made this <laughs> statement to me um but no we don't count the first we don't count the first because then you would have to stop drinking at midnight the night before so so the first was a pass so i said dry january i've never done a dry dry anything you know i'd like to you know maybe i'll try this dry january i haven't been dry in 25 years yeah i've been moist every once in a while but never dry <laughs> you know so so uh you know it's he really he old. ropes me into this and uh, he made it he made it about four days. What? About four days. And I asked him, I said, you're, you're drinking? And he said, well, I, 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 I'm not drinking beer anymore. I'm not drinking beer. There's a lot of empty calories in beer. I'm not drinking beer for the rest of the month. Like, that's not dry. So about okay. three days after that, I saw him drinking a beer. <laughs> well, it's Mick Ultra. I said, "What happened?" He said, "I, I, I couldn't do it. I, I gave up. I quit everything. I, I, I couldn't do it. I'm not dry anymore. I'm soaking wet. I'm absolutely <laughs> soaked." So, but you know, at that point, it was about the ninth, and uh, I was pretty committed. Vanessa, my wife, she, she decided she wanted to do it with me. Now we, we both had. Now I work at a place where people are buying, you know, bottles of wine that are a couple hundred bucks, and maybe even more. And if they, you know, if I'm opening that wine from, they say, "Would well, you want to have a taste?" 
I'm not going to say no. Hell yeah. I'm not going to say no to a $300 bottle of wine. I'm going to try it. So, But I had a couple one-ounce or two-ounce tastes and uh, a little taste of a margarita we made with Don Julio 1942. Mm. For any tequila drinkers out there, that's pretty expensive tequila, usually in restaurants for about 30 bucks a shot. Oh, uh, so, I like uh, tequila. That's crazy. Two ounces or one and a half ounces of tequila, yeah, thirty dollars. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you, do your clothes just burn off instead of just? Cut, they just <laughs> Magic happens, instantly. and I won't spoil it for you. But uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's been a mostly dry January. Mm-hmm. And um, sorry, you saying you can't handle it's been two or three glasses of wine now because you've, oh. you've been a dry January. What I will say You're about like, dry January though, <laughs> zero profound changes in. I mean, I don't drink soda already. I'm not drinking, you know, Jaeger and Red Bulls. I'm not right. drinking. I, I mostly drink red wine or, or like a scotch or a whiskey uh, neat just on ice or something. Uh, so I don't have a lot of sugar when I drink anyway, but I have noticed almost no difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, dry January versus a soaking wet January. So uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Soaking wet. 29 I days I feel like it was a good enough sample size. I probably won't drink again until Friday just to kind of ice the cake a little bit. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, for some people it's a big thing. Um, for me, I didn't I didn't notice a lot of changes. I didn't I don't sleep better. I didn't. Yeah. Nothing. Good experiment though. It was a good experiment. Good experiment. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. Conclusion. Cheers to that. Keep drinking. Keep drinking. We're going to support this. (laughs) I also didn't notice like huge changes. I, uh, drinking, I'm very sensitive. So I usually get like tomorrow work. I'm probably going to have a really bad headache and my stomach won't feel the best. And like, that's just me normally whenever I drink anything. Uh, so when we did, Sarah and I both did like a 30 or I think it was supposed to be two months and we made it like a month about a month and then stopped. I made it three weeks. Yeah. And then it was my birthday and it was my 30th birthday and I was like, I'm not going to be sober for this. Oh, there's no yeah. good time to do it. There is no, no. good well, time to do it. There's always an excuse, right? You just got to decide. But anyway, so that just bear goes like, it's, I'm turning 30. I'm not going to be sober anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I'm... Maybe slept better, didn't feel as shitty, a little bit clearer thinking because it wasn't like... Arguable, maybe. Sensi- yeah. yeah, if you're not as sensitive, like my boyfriend did this sober thing too and felt maybe a few benefits, but also he never gets hung over. So it's just different for everyone. How about you, Sarah? Yeah, I would say a little bit more mental clarity. And I was, um, because of that, I was a little bit more motivated mm. um, to get some stuff done. Mm-hmm. But on the opposite side of that, if I'm drinking a little bit more, I give myself a break a little bit more. And, you what know, do you mean? because I feel like I'm mental one of those wellness. people who can, who always has to be doing something. And there's a, a mental to do list a mile long always and I have to work out every day and I have to do all these different things. Mm -hmm. And if I, sometimes if I'm like a little hungover or something, Mm -hmm. then I'll allow myself to sleep in and Mm -hmm. snuggle with the cats. Mm -hmm. You're more Um, gentle to yourself. Yeah. So there's pros and cons to both sides. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't need alcohol to give myself a break, but it helps. But you're an adult and you've earned that right. That's right. I'm an adult. I I can do what I want. (laughs) It's Minus paying bells, that sucks. I think the sugar is <laughs> the next cool. the next experiment, though. Trying to limit added sugar. <laughs> That's not actually not so hard. You need to you get past the three week mark, and then it's second nature. It's just mm. like any habit that you're trying to break. Three weeks, I think, is the magic number. Yeah, three. Well, I went over three weeks with dry January. So, yeah, there you uh, go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you well, so wasted now because you haven't had a drink all uh, January? 
Not yet. You're, you look wasted. I do I that, think you're yeah. wasted. Well, you should have more. You're also probably the biggest one here, so please have another glass. Um, okay, so... Did she just fat shame me on her podcast? Or, or, definitely big does not mean fat. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not being a polite big. I'd be like, you're the fattest one here. No. I Thank would. you. <laughs> you're not. You're just tall. How, t- how tall are you? I'm probably about six feet tall. Okay. Yeah, that's significantly taller than a lot of us. Mm-hmm. How that's tall are you? Almost a whole foot taller than I am. <laughs> yes. How are you? Like, you? We're we're asking Takeshi how tall he is. He's somewhere in between my I height think and you're Cream's height. Five. It depends four. on how much hair he five, has. Five four. Uh, He's like five seven. Five five. Five six. Five six. Okay. If his price is right, I overbid. I would have lost. Sarah's five <laughs> three. No, I'm five two. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. five two. Here we are, shorties. I think I'm five two and a half. Actually, I think it's five two and a quarter. I know. Uh Just kidding. Okay, so since I went on such a long tangent about my day, we're going to talk about (laughs) so car so Carla. Carla is Sarah, and you're going to say Carter. I'm like, what? He's not here right now. No, no. (laughs) So Sarah. The difference is we wanted to do this to talk about different types of nurses mm-hmm. and what we do in a day. So Sarah's hospital nurse now, but she's had a myriad of experiences doing everything. Look at you. Not everything, but uh, a lot of stuff. So you've had what? Two different nursing jobs. You've done office nursing, right? And like an OBGYN and cardiac. And then you've done hospital travel and all different sorts. And I've sorts. also done dental surgery, oral <gasps> surgery. I didn't know I don't think this. I ever told you about that. Yeah, so another um, episode we'll talk about that because mm-hmm. I'm really interested. And then I did a post transplant clinic. It was outpatient and cystic oh, cool. fibrosis clinic that was outpatient. Oh, how cool! As a traveler, and that's pretty so much it. I think you are such a wise, experienced nurse. Um, oh, ma- uh, jack of all trades, right? Jack or of all trades, nurse. master at Jill of all What's trades. Jill yes. of all trades. We can be a jack. I want to be a jack of all trades. Mm-hmm. She Jack. I'm a. I'm just a Jack. Um, so that's cool. I want to talk about all of your experiences. Catch us on all of our podcasts, and you'll learn. Um, we're going to talk about um, what a cardiac office nurse does. So there are all types of nursing. There's school nursing, hospital nursing, clinic nursing. Oh, school nursing. Office we should ask nursing. Beth to come talk sometime. Yeah, I also kind of did school nursing a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I, um, my first nursing job was in a in a community clinic, mostly with Hispanic, no insurance, um, vine picker patients. Um, a lot of ours actually worked in vineyards. Um, so I learned all about a little bit of everything. It's really cool. We saw like really old people to like babies that were just born. And then I worked as a pediatric nurse supervisor um, for disabled children and I trained nurses how to take care of them. And then I was in schools and um, when nurses called out sick, being the supervisor, I had to cover them. And I went, basically got to like re-experience high school for some patients and I would be with them. You're like Drew Barrymore and never been kissed. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm so senior oh, right now. I and used to I, like um, <laughs> I'm here to take care of you, but I also might want to go to the prom. Have you seen this movie, Cream? 
I have definitely seen this movie. Yeah, oh, Drew Barrymore. Uh, I used to love me. So, um, yeah, I would get to follow, like I followed a student around high school into all of his classes and I had to be there. So if his feeding tube stopped and he should replace it and mix his stuff and get everything going again or if his... Mix his formula. So wait, was he on a constant So he had a trach. Feed? So he had a tracheostomy. So it's like um, uh, a hole in your... Neck. Neck, basically, right, but I'm trying to be That's more in layman's hole. term. So, <laughs> yeah, you have a whole inner neck and they put a breathing tube. So um, he would breathe through that and um, and then he could kind of, anyway, it's more complicated, plug it and talk. But um, And then he had a feeding tube and anyway, so he was pretty self efficient and dependent, but I would follow him around and help him with stuff that needed to be done, like change his trach gauze or the tie or if his g-tube was leaking his feeding tube i would change that um, dressing or help him like change his shirt because that got wet from his feeding tube or whatever but it wasn't because he was having feedings all the time right was it just leakage of um he had timed feeding so for like four hours it would be running and then he would and then it would stop and you'd um clamp it and like unhook the bag and then you would put a new bag in and start running it again. Interesting. Cause I don't know, I guess what I've experienced in the hospital is either people get bolus feeding. So you give them mm-hmm. a whole bunch at once mm. and that takes maybe, I don't know, 30 minutes and then you're right. done. And it's kind of like eating a meal and then you wait till the next meal right. or you get a continuous feeding. So mm-hmm. his was like you're a always continuous. getting a little bit yeah. each hour, 30 so, milliliters an hour or right. 60. And that's what it was. He would, he had a backpack with him that had his pump in it. So there was a pump with the feeding and it would, you know, get a constant drip rate of you program the pump and it would give him that much. All, and it was in all his day. backpack? Mm-hmm. That's cool. I've never yeah. heard of that. I think it was this, it was a medical one. So it had Leather like bottom two, Jansport? <laughs> leather bottom Jansport <laughs> with formula in it. <laughs> and uh, patches. And patches. Okay. You have to be cool in high school. Uh it was was cool, he a one strap or two strap kind of guy? He was a <laughs> one strap guy. I like him. And he did like welding class and stuff too, which freaked my because I have obviously my service dog with me, and my dog was freaked out by all the welding and the noises of like the really there were just loud noises. She was freaked out at me. It was an interesting experience. Um, met a lot of really cool people. So anyway, my point was what I currently do is I work. Um, I've never wanted to be a hospital nurse, so obviously I had to do it. Well, I was in nursing school for four years, but, um, so you got trained in it, but I wanted to be an outpatient. I like developing relationships with the patients and I get stressed out easily. So don't want to be in a hospital where it's really, really stressful. Where you um, have to do so much toileting all the time. See, the and- toileting, I don't mind. I like the I bet patient- I can toilet faster than both of you. I, I-, <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not like the patient interaction. I'm really good at that part. It's just the stress of fast-paced and people getting upset at you and things needing to be done and time frames and all this stuff. Anyway, I still do a lot of that now. So a day in the life of me as an office outpatient cardiac nurse is I get to work in the morning, not at six in the morning like Sarah, the hospital nurse, does. 630. 630. Okay. I don't even want, I don't even want to exist. A little earlier for toothbrushing time. Oh God. It's so terrible. Um, no, I'm not a morning person. I naturally probably wake up at like 830. Um, so we get to work. We start at 830. I usually get there at like 8, 8, 10, 8, 15, and then kind of 
dig around for a little bit and mm-hmm. check my email and make my coffee. And dig sit. around, is that the medical term? That is definitely a medical Indeed, term, for sure. Got a license just to say that. So you can't say it. That's something um, I miss about office nursing, the dicking yeah. around part. I know. How was your night? Like, yeah. What did you do this weekend yeah. part yeah. and make the coffee? Yeah, put little music on Pandora, make coffee, catch up on everyone's weekend. Sometimes it's not like that. Most of the time it is, but just in the first beginning of the shift. Um, actually, we don't call it a shift. We just say our day. So uh, we catch up and then... Everything goes. So we're either assigned in our office specifically, everyone's different. You're either on phones all day long. So you're answering, you know, 20 to 40 phone calls a day of people calling in with symptoms of this medication, this side effect. I'm having chest pain, short of breath. I'm having swelling. My blood pressure is really, really high or really low or I'm fainting or... Or I read this thing online that people are not supposed to take aspirin anymore. Did you read that? Yeah. And should I stop taking my aspirin? And what does Dr. So-and-so say? Right. Or my medication recalled or I'm having a surgery or, you know, a lot of it though is, you know, I'm having chest pain or shortness of breath and um, they emergently put the patient through because if someone calls with that, especially cardiology, are they having a heart attack? So you have to rule that out. Uh, A lot of times they always have chest pain and shortness of breath and it's not something new and it's fine. But anyway, not fine, but you know. But not unexpected. Right, not unexpected. We already know about it. There's mm-hmm. already a treatment for it. But and if you think, yeah, so so it's busy. You're getting a ton of calls all the time, plus being interrupted from the office and trying to figure out what's wrong with the patient. And at the same time, as they're talking to you, you're looking in their chart, um, trying to figure out if their doctor's there. Do you need to get the on-call cardiologist? What can you do to help them? What medications are they on? What's their history? What have they happened? Have they recently hospitalized? What are their last lab results? Are they actually taking their medications? Right. Are they taking the medications? Can they explain to you? You're asking them more history. So you're all kind of doing it this, this all at the same time so that you can create a note quickly to answer the next call because you have 40 more waiting before you leave that day. Um, and then you send that to the doctor, make sure they get back. And then after all of those millions of calls and millions of messages, you have to call all the patients back with all the doctor's responses for that day. Um, on the other side of it, if you're not on phones, we're either um, office nurse. So you have um, the labs that come in all day long or you have patient appointments or people interrupt you. You have a walkie-talkie. So if there's an emergency, you get called to the nuke department. We do lots of- Nuke um, is nuclear medicine where in the cardiology office, it's mostly just stress tests. Like there's other things that go on in nuclear departments in other places, but mm-hmm. in the cardiology office, it's nuclear imaging right. for a stress test. Yeah. So we're trying to see if you have any blockages in the arteries around your heart that could be stopping blood flow or oxygen, causing tissue death or damage, um, which can cause chest pain. Um, you can have shortness of breath symptoms, chest pressure, tightness, stuff like that. So we want to f- see if it could be because there's a blockage. Uh, anyway, so we do stress tests and people can be vomiting a lot during that. So we have to do like IV Zofran, which is a medication that can... Not that you will vomit during a stress test, but right, some people right. react like badly yeah, to medication. Yeah, so there's different types of stress tests. I'm trying not to go into too much detail, but there's all these things that can happen. So um, you're seeing patients all day long and then that can happen or you're doing other studies anyway. So you're looking at all the like up to a hundred labs that can come in. You have to make sure none of them are critical or life-threatening like Sarah said in the uh, Winding with Nurses podcast this week. Um, If a potassium 
for example, that no one thinks is a big deal is off, you can have cardiac arrhythmia. So your heart can not beat regularly. Listen, people, potassium is a big deal. Eat your when bananas. When it comes to your heart. <laughs> Actually, potatoes have even more. What? Yeah. potatoes. It depends on what your doctor says. If your potassium is too high, some medications cause do your I potassium. Do I eat the bananas or do I not eat the bananas? It depends. You're healthy. You're not taking any medications. Thank you. That's very you nice. do whatever you, you want. Yeah. But if you're taking certain medications mm-hmm. or if you have a heart problem, you should talk to your doctor about how much potassium you should yeah. have. Potassium, sodium, even how much water you can drink, this all affects your heart function. So um, sodium, so salt. Uh, If your sodium is too low, you could have seizures. If your potassium is too high or too low, you could have arrhythmias. So your heart could stop, start beating not normally. Um, It could stop beating. I mean, there's all these things that can happen. So our job as nurses is we look at up to, like I said, again, 100 labs that could come in in a day um, or less. It just depends on the day. but And we have to make sure none of these are going to like kill anybody and that it gets addressed that very same day or right then. And you call the patient and see how they're feeling and what they're doing. And so basically what we do in the office all day long is assess things. We assess people that call in or we assess labs or we assess patients that are in the office or we do testing and people come in to check blood pressure and we change their medication based on, you know, the last time they saw the doctor, you know, if we need to increase or decrease or we do EKGs, um, we do bubble studies. So what's a bubble study? (laughs) So, so, um, (laughs) they're actually really fun. So we basically patient blow bubbles at patient's face and see how many they can pop before 30 seconds ends. Ready? I would kill it. I would crush it. It's so fun. No, I wish it was that fun. So bubble study is a doctor will order a bubble study. I'm trying to share the podcast. Who? What? Like, so why would a doctor order <laughs> oh, a bubble study? Because if somebody I thought you'd has, never ask. If someone has a patent foramen ovale. Okay, Maybe? well, explain that. So, okay, so somebody has a hole that I goes... mean, I totally know what it is, but would you please explain <laughs> oh, it for Kat? No, I mean, please, yeah, you're the yeah. guest. I, I should... get it, but for, oh. for the rest of us, for for Kat, oh. would you explain oh. it for them? Yeah, yeah please, please, please go, do. Go for, okay, so if you have a hole that goes between your... Uh, this is what I think a PFO is, a hole that goes between your atria, so the right atrium and the left atrium. Those and are the two top chambers of your heart. There are four chambers, top and bottom, and the two have a wall between them, and so do the bottom. Mm-hmm. And usually there's some things that are open before you're born, when you're a fetus, that they close up either when you're born or shortly after you're born. And some people, they your don't. Your body automatically closes it. We don't close it. It's yes. amazing. Sometimes it we do itself. if it doesn't close on its own. But anyway. <laughs> but if it stays open for some reason for like indefinitely until mm-hmm. you become an adult, that's not normal. And sometimes that can cause problems for you. And then we want to figure out, is this what's causing your problem? Because mm-hmm. you're... Uh, foramen ovale never shut. Mm-hmm. Or there can be hearts in other parts in the bottom part. There can be hearts between your big... Hearts between? There can be holes, holes. between <laughs> your different um, big arteries that go from your heart to your lungs or back from your lungs to your heart or all oh, there's... Sometimes so, we don't even know. Sometimes we, we don't, don't even know, know why this the doctors is why are we ordering do it. And the uh, sonographer knows more about it than we do. And the sonographer is like an ultrasound person. So they like have- Like Regina from last <clears throat> week. Yeah. So uh, sonographers, like when you're pregnant, you have an ultrasound and they put, they can look at your heart while you're doing a study. So I 
<clears throat> okay, so day in the life. I got to the office. <laughs> Jessica, my coworker, who uh, she called out sick, so I ended up... That need- bitch. I that can't believe bitch. Jessica. <laughs> oh, no, she's so nice. No, she's really nice. <laughs> she was just sick. I'm sorry. I, I think she's coming back tomorrow. Bring been- chicken soup. <laughs> um, so she called out sick, so I ended up needing to be phone nurse and office nurse that day. So when that happens, I'm the only RN because the other person is an LVN. For the most part, there's someone else. But anyway, um, so I had to do all the phone calls that day and I had to do all the labs and all the patient appointments and any emergencies that came up. So I got to work. There were two bubble studies. So, um, and then we had to schedule. All that was on the day you were there by yourself. Yes. Oh man. And I had a really, really tough personal thing happen the day before. So I was like on the verge of tears the entire day. I felt like I just had to leave work. Like it was really bad. So it was... It was a it was a rough day, but get through it. I'm sorry. Um, I wish I hadn't been working that day so that I could have come and helped you, and no, also so fine. that I wouldn't have had to work that shitty day that I worked. Yeah. See, life would have been better for everyone, but that's okay. Shit happens. <coughs> Excuse me. Probably help me stay busy and not think about it. All is good now. Um, so. I did phone calls and then intermittently did all the labs in the pool and then did more phone calls and then didn't get a break, didn't get a second break, didn't get a lunch, worked nine hours straight. And um, I had my bubble study. So you basically, um, a patient for a bubble study to see if you have any holes anywhere. Um, to see that we- <laughs> I definitely well, not got just some holes. Anywhere, okay, holes in, in your heart that are not places. supposed to be there that could be causing <laughs> shortness of breath or- Oh, those holes. Whatever, those holes <laughs> yeah. that we, we want to know about in cardiology. Hey, are these normal? <laughs> these ones Sarah that go up in my head? stuck her finger in her nose. That smells like something? <laughs> so um, basically the patient goes in to the ultrasound room with the sonographer and they image their heart and then I go in, I get an IV started. I um, inject, um, I hook up to the IV like this little thing that has saline and then I add air to it. So I agitate it, meaning I mix the the air and the water or the saline um, together really, really quickly. So it's it like makes... <laughs> That's what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, it's kind of sort of a little bit reminiscent like of I'm what it there. sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> you should be one of those sound people for movies. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so you mix it really fast together and then you do these special things and it makes a ton of little bubbles and then you inject it quickly into their vein, which goes up into their heart, which you would think is bad, but it's not because you're putting it into the part of the heart that then goes to the lungs. So it's automatically going to have air and then it goes back into the other side of the heart with but no- But also you can get some air in your veins anywhere right. and it'll be fine. A certain amount is absorbable. Right. And I think- right. I don't know. I'm pretty sure I've seen some movies. Yeah. Okay. If you put a huge <laughs> amount of air in somebody's veins, that's bad. But if it's yeah. like a little bit, because people always see air bubbles in their IV lines and they're really concerned about it, but a little bit of air is fine. Right. And cardiolo- it, your body will absorb it. Cardiologists in- intentionally inject it is the point, mm-hmm. and you're you're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, we split it up into tiny little bubbles, but so Ooh. the point is we inject it, and then we'll see that one side of the heart is super cloudy, and the other one's clear because it's just blood. But we can see all those bubbles, so it looks cloudy. If any of that leaks to the other side of the heart, we can tell if there's like a shunting where there shouldn't be. So we want a hole where there shouldn't be a hole still. Yeah, so we want to see that the bubbles fill the top and bottom of one side and not the other side. 
uh, because it should go to the lungs and come back and be fine. And it shouldn't go from one side and then pass through the wall of the heart to the other side. So that's what we're looking for. Um, anyway, so I did that. Another patient appointment. I did more phone calls. Um, I did more labs, made sure there wasn't critical stuff. I got called to nuke because someone was vomiting. So I injected some Zofran. I went back and I did more phone calls and more labs. Then I had another bubble study. Um, Zofran's a really great medicine for nausea. Yeah. It helps people stop vomiting. Um, And then you keep going and you keep going and keep going. And then I left a little late and the day was over. And then we do it all over again five days a week. Usually you have help though. Um, Usually you're either on phones or you're on, you know, you're a nurse of the day seeing people. So uh, it's still stressful. It's different stress and it's different stuff we're doing than like Sarah, Sarah's day when we did day in the life. Um, It's just different. I don't know. I, I do still help with like toileting people or you know, people cry and you're there. People are yelling at you and cussing at you and telling you you're terrible and people they hate the you. Phone. you. People know, on the phone. People on the phone really mean. I will say, uh, Vanessa, she had some little little bout with bronchitis. This is his wife. My uh-huh. wife. Hi, Vanessa. Who it, she is. Uh, tell, tell them what she does because she it's a different is a, a compounding technician in a pharmacy at a hospital. So she's a pharmacy technician who pretty much uh, specializes in um, aseptic technique uh sterile compounding of all the iv bags and that means you don't get germs in what the stuff you're making yes mm-hmm. yes you make yeah. sure of it so she like makes and mixes drugs and like makes sure that nothing bad gets in she's pretty much breaking bad it's pretty much what there she does go. yeah yeah that's pretty cool pretty i kind of want to marry her now too <laughs> I don't know. yeah she had a, a, a fit of bronchitis and and she's pretty petite and she was coughing really hard to where she like pulled a rib or I don't know. She, she hurt herself coughing so hard. Uh, we wanted to go to urgent care because, you know, she just wanted to get it addressed and they were closed due to inclement weather. Urgent care was closed. (laughs) And, uh, so we took her to the ER, uh, the hospital where she worked, which was kind of cool because we got a little bit of VIP treatment because they, they recognize her, but Mm -hmm. we went into a room that was shared with another patient and uh, just another day in the life of, of, of nurses, uh, how some of these patients are on rainy days. And um, uh, this particular patient was being discharged at that time, and he did not agree with the fact that he should be discharged, mm-hmm. uh, was not okay with the fact that he was going to be discharged. And for this poor nurse, I think it was a nurse practitioner, um, this woman uh, was just called some very vile names and and berated and uh, it wasn't until security and sheriffs came oh, into man. the room that uh, he, he calmed down. It was a uh, it was uh, it was quite a scene, uh, quite a scene, and it seemed like um, it seemed like just every other day in the emergency department mm-hmm. uh, at a hospital. Um, so again, shout out to the nurses and the kind of stuff that they have to deal with to keep us all healthy. Uh, you can take it for granted. I said it before um, last episode. Yeah, but uh, you know it's it, it's tough what you guys do. It's really tough when you see people at their worst, and they're most likely not in a good mood at their worst. And um, I wouldn't be. Welp. Thanks for that. Listening. Says it all, doesn't it? <laughs> it's true. It's true. I wouldn't be in a good mood either if no. I was in the hospital. But you know, let's be kind to each other and everything. Yeah. Thanks for us and nurses and for people that appreciate us. 
thank you all for listening. Catch us on our regular episode that airs on Friday of Whining with Nurses and more Petite Sorrells on Monday. And cheers. 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 Whining with Nurses.